Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. What's Welcome. up, people? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to start the dance or if I was going to start the dance. Okay, you started in the kind of three. No, we are, we've been recording. Welcome three, to episode 33 two, of the Degenerates Clubhouse podcast. One. Welcome, everybody, to the to episode 33 of the... We are a smooth production here. That's, that's really, out of all the things we struggle with, our intros are just flawless every time. And that's really important. You know, it's like they say you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And being that this is our first impression, I'm always happy at how professional and clean our intros are that's probably the strength of this podcast so if you're impressed now don't worry it's only downhill from here let's go yeah i think if this is the first podcast they've ever heard um they're like what the fuck are these maniacs doing do they not have 33 episodes in they still don't know what the fuck they're doing good god but on the bright side if they are a loyal degenerate listener they hear this nonsense and they're like oh these fucking chuckle fucks they still don't you know they're like it's part of our humor, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, anyway. There's a fine line between humor and incompetence, and we straddle that constantly, and sometimes we slip, and the, that fine line goes up and bangs us in the balls, metaphorically. That, that, that metaphor got a little bit twisted, um, not unlike our balls. My balls don't get twisted. I don't twist my balls. Yeah, don't get it twisted, because this is going to be a quick episode— and uh, com- coming up, we-, we do have a twisted story out of Florida. What is Florida Man up to this week, Armando? Florida Man, Florida Man, I don't know the words because you have them. Florida Man, Florida Man, smoke some meth, yes he can, alligators in his pool, driving drunk as a rule. Look out, here comes a Florida Man. Uh, headline is Florida man points gun at neighbor for flying Biden flag, commands dog to kill deputies. <laughs> uh, I I think I sent you the link, so hopefully you could see the picture of this guy too simultaneously. Yes, and he's exactly what I imagined. Yep, love the look, guy. Love it. He's got like a like a uh, what do you call that? What what do you call that? It's not receding. Yeah, it's like receded hairline. It's kind of like the Rob Corddry look where there's no hair up front. Party in the all on the sides. It's not even part. It, he he has, or he has a receding hairline. There's still still some hair up top, but he also obviously hasn't gotten a haircut for quite a while. Could be because of the COVID pandemic, but it's Florida, so it's probably just because it's Florida and that's how he rolls. And then the hair that he does have up top is just spiked up, not with styling product, just probably with like sweat and gunk and uh, like pillow grease. And uh, and he's got like a cool little uh, a little mustache. I like to call it a little mo. He's got a little cool little mustache going, nice and full. He looks like a heretofore unseen character from the classic board game Clue. He's like Professor Anarchy from Clue. Not not Anarchy. That was actually a South Park character. He he's uh, he's Professor Felony from uh, oh. from Clue. I don't remember Clue. Sorry. No reference. Profe- profe- Professor Felony uh, with the meth needle 
in the library, which since it's Florida, there's no books in there. That's that is actually the the drug stash. The library is a bunch of porn nudie mags and shit. Nudie mags and meth, aka the library, the Florida library. Fort Myers man was arrested after getting upset that his neighbor was flying a Biden flag. Official said. Edward LaCourse, 75, was arrested on Monday night and faces an aggravated assault with a weapon charge, deputies with the Lee County Sheriff's Office said. According to NBC affiliate WBBH, neighbors told deputies that LaCourse was upset about a Biden flag on their property and started verbally assaulting them. Uh, the victim said they had never had a conversation with LaCourse in the 18 years that they had lived together or lived there. Uh, following the dispute, deputies arrived and knocked on LaCourse's door. He opened his door and commanded his collie mixed dog to are kill. You, are you just going to read the whole story? No, I was going to stop after the sentence, but thanks for interrupting me. Uh, let me read it again. Following the dispute, deputies arrived and knocked on LaCourse's door, LaCourse's door. He opened his door and commanded his collie mixed dog to kill, deputies said. Yeah, so he's telling his dog to kill the cops. That's another good move on his part, yeah? Okay, there there is a lot to unpack. There's only two sentences left in the story. Um, yeah, but the, the 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 last two sentences are pretty loaded. I'm already looking at them. Go ahead. I, I, no spoilers. I haven't got there okay. yet. Uh, so so first first of all, just just the the fact that he was upset about a Biden flag. Look, I can understand that. You know, it was a charged election. There were a lot of emotions. I mean, if, one, it was it's very hard for me to believe that. The, the neighbors have not talked to this just absolute darling of a man in 18 years. I mean, he sounds like a complete delight and uh, probably, you know, this <laughs> social darling and butterfly of the block. But, like, I, I can get it. I've got a neighbor who has this – it's like this old Jeep. It looks like a 1950s Jeep that they park at the front of their driveway almost as a display piece. And they've had a Trump pen sign up there, which – during the election, I was like, "All right, that's fine. You want to vote for Trump, Pence? You're, you're, you know, displaying the sign. That's cool. You do you. That's your property. Do whatever you want." But now it's still up there after the election. I, I don't really want to see it. And I remember having the thought, "What if I just snagged this thing off of the Jeep? You know, one night, nobody would see me. If, if this person did see me, they're probably like 80 years old, and uh, I don't think they'd be able to chase me." And then, and then I thought, no, I shouldn't take the sign. I should just add all the other Trump signs onto the Jeep. So, like, it could be like Trump, Pence, you know, 2020, kill Mike Pence, uh, Mexicans oh. are rapists. Just like every oh, no. other Trump slogan, just put it on. And then I was like, oh, I'm an adult. I should act like one and not fuck with something on someone else's property. And I can just, like, not look at it. And that's what I did. Here's here's no you didn't. Here's what's wrong with your argument there. There are people that leave their Christmas trees up like months before Christmas and months after Christmas lights up. So it's like it's very like all this political red or blue whatever side you're on. Like you got stuff on your front lawn. Okay, that's uh -huh. that's your your freedom. But it's just as to me it's just as silly as leaving like holiday decorations up like too far in advance and too far after like the election, like after it's done, like, okay, move on next. You know, I don't care if it's for pro Biden and pro Trump. It's like time has passed, dude. Like Trump's not the president. You got a new guy. You're not, you know. Yeah. Not I, I think this one firmly falls under freedom of speech, first amendment. They want to, it's their property. They want to fly a Trump flag or a Biden flag. 
that's kind of their their thing. Unless it's unless it's like hate speech, which again, some some of the Trump logos probably could be hate speech. Um, some of the Biden slogans uh, could be maybe a cautionary tale for dementia, but like. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, you put them up. It's it, like I said, it's their property. It's it's the First Amendment. Let them do what they want to do. That's what I think. Uh, I agree, but to like, to like threaten to, anyway. And then he sends his dog after the cops. So that's like another ballsy move too, right? Like, show up. Cops are like, here, we're gonna arrest you, sir, Mister Lacourse. He tells his dog. It's not even an aggressive looking call. It's like a collie mix. So it's not like he had like a fucking pit bull or something threatening. He sends his German, collie. German Shepherd, a Doberman <laughs> Pinscher. Yeah. L- Lassie. <laughs> yeah. Lassie's like, what? Is Timmy trapped in the well? No, I need to, you to kill this Florida police officer. Lassie's he like, um. He literally says kill. Like he literally tells his dog to kill the deputies. What the fuck? You maniac. And the, you know the collie was just staring at like him and like, like, Looking at the police officer, I look, guys, I don't like. I'm not really that close with this guy. Please leave me yeah. out of it. I'm a fucking collie. Apparently, he has not realized this. Um, can I? Can someone please just, just take me to the pound, euthanize me? I don't really care. Just get me away from this maniac. Uh, I'm gonna continue reading the story here. Deputies found the shotgun Lacourse used to point at his neighbor with a round in the chamber and three rounds in the tube. Oh. Lacourse was arrested and faces a charge of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without the intent to kill. Uh, if you got rounds in your gun and you're pointing it at your neighbor, yeah, that's fucked I, up. I don't know. I, I mean, is that okay? I, I thought, look, no. I, I think <laughs> maybe I'm wrong here. I think if you're brown, and I'm saying Hispanic or or African American, I think if you're brown, you do the same thing. You're in a lot deeper shit than this guy. No offense, uh, you know, white Florida guy. I mean, but if, I think if you're brown, you probably. It, I think the uh, the tactics are a bit different, and, and the the recourse, the penalties for such are probably a little bit worse. If we're so he he got charged with aggravated assault. This is this is a 75 year old white man in Florida. If he was a, if it was a 20 year old black man, what do you think you'd have gotten charged with? I don't know. I I don't know the law enough, but I know that the book would have been heavier. I think I'm. I feel like the book would have been heavier. Probably they probably would have seen if the gun was licensed or unlicensed. They would have like looked for other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this this is what I think. I think the charges might have ended up being similar, but I think the way they treated him. I mean. Oh yeah. One, they would have. They would. <laughs> they would have uh, had additional charges for. You know, attacking police officers. Or th- I mean, black black and brown people have gotten uh, charged with resisting arrest. You know, attempted yeah. assault on a police officer for for doing literally nothing. And this guy told his his do- granted it was Lassie. Lassie was like, <laughs> like uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm versed in getting small children out of wells. I can bark and and tell you when someone's in trouble. Um, one-on-one combat versus police officers, that's not really my bag. But, like, he did ta- tell his dog to kill the deputies. I think they would have treated him a lot more aggressively, and there would have been additional charges for sure. Because you can't you can't tell, use the word kill pertaining to a police officer if you're black and brown. Can you, can you imagine, like, me and, like, having a chihuahua? <laughs> like, they break into my house. 
I got a chihuahua. I tell my chihuahua to kill the dogs. They're like, they would have probably euthanized the chihuahua for being like a vicious, deadly animal or something. <laughs> so it would have been my dog and me that would have been in this shit storm. But uh, no, your chihuahua would get shot up. They'd be like, yeah. it was coming right at me. I felt threatened yeah. for my life. I had right. no recourse but to use this high-powered assault rifle. Crazy shit, crazy shit. But yeah, and the guy, the gun was loaded too. Can can you imagine a lassie like death scene? Oh, just just riddled with bullets. Now this is getting dark. Oh, now I want to see it. Now I want to see like now I want to see like lassie like in Al Capone <laughs> Scarface style, like <laughs> say this... hello to my little friend, and he just like I don't know. Gets Do you remember up. that movie Falling Down? It was like a guy who just had like a mental breakdown, and then he he goes on this. It, it would be like a mix between that movie and John Wick, where the the cops destroy this guy's dog and he just goes on like a, a anti-society John Wick revenge plot against Florida police and just I, I yeah I might see that movie <laughs> and we might actually see that like IRL if this uh, if this guy gets let out anytime soon because he's Florida man and his powers are unlimited nearly we don't know, we don't know the limits of his powers that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was this week on Florida Man. Hope you guys enjoyed it. All right. What's next in the docket? No, no slick transition. Let's let's. You know what? I, I don't have the agenda in front of me, dude. I remember. I'm yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's what I was doing. I was, I was about to train. Wow, we're we're on top of it. We're we're gonna get a mojo <laughs> back. We took a week off. We're a little bit we're we're a little bit off right now. I I need something to just. <laughs> Dial that back. That that was a, a heated story, and now I'm still picturing Lassie get getting shot up, like you know, full on like SWAT team bashing down the door. Lassie just with like weird like tactical gear and like camo, like the little um, uh, the little like camouflage under the eyes, which is which is weird because I mean it's a collie. I don't think the sun reflects off his. Anyhow, let's let's move on. Let's go to something a little chiller. Do you have some Ask Reddit questions for us that hopefully are not going to give me nightmares tonight? We'll we'll do the one that you're probably least prepared for because uh, I ran these questions by you before. What smell instantly brings you back to your childhood? Do you have a like a certain uh, fragrance or aroma that when you smell it, you're like it brings back old memories from when you were a kid or when you were younger? Several. You go first. When I went to elementary school, there was the uh, there was early birds and then there was late birds. I was part of the late birds for whatever. You know what that is? You know the distinction of the early birds, late birds. I don't know if they had that where you where you were schooled when you were a child. It, not by that terminology, at least. So they 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 had the school. They had the elementary school. Like half the students went in like at eight in the morning, and then they got mm-hmm. to leave like at noon or one, and then the other half of the students got there around that at round one or so, and then they were there till the end of the day. Uh, so, oh, it was that's like, w- so wait, so how long did that go? Was that all of elementary school? No, I think that was only like kindergarten first and second grade or something like that i believe yeah they, they did that to with us in just kindergarten and then from first grade on it was the full day but yeah so we had that and i was part of the uh the early birds like i was one of the <laughs> i was one of the unlucky kids that had to wake up early in the morning and like not sleep in and shit but mm-hmm. the cafeteria was always like baking or like they had stuff going in their uh, in their ovens or whatever, and I couldn't exactly tell you what type of uh, pastry or dessert it was, but it reminded me it reminds me of like a cinnabon but smaller. So like we got dropped off because we were transported to school with like the big yellow school bus. When you get off the school bus, you just smell like this just 
amazing Cinnabon aroma every morning. And, uh, and yeah, the early birds, that was the one cool thing about being part of the early birds is like your first thing was like not to go to class. It was like, go get breakfast. So it was like, you got a, a white, you got regular uh, milk or chocolate milk or whatever. And then you got one of those little sticky bun things that would just, the aroma would smell. So if, if like I walked by a Cinnabon, like it's not exactly the same thing, but it's, it's pretty on point with like that cinnamon, like sweet. So yeah, if I smell that shit, I think of like, I think of Wilcox Elementary and the early birds and sticky buns. What about you? I've got a lot. I, I've realized that my memories, like I have a pretty clear memory from everything from when I was about three years old on. Not everything. I'm not like, you know, omniscient, but a lot, I remember a lot of things. So the first one, when, when you said that, was just my mom's banana uh, banana pancake. She's not made that since I was a little kid. Then I what? thought about the smell of the Philadelphia Zoo. That's a very unique, pungent aroma. But I'm like, yeah, probably all zoos smell like this. But this is the one I, I, I zeroed in on. Um, do you know what the Franklin Institute is? No, no idea. If anyone's ever visiting Philadelphia and they're like, oh, what should I see? Should I see the Liberty Bell or should I... No, no, you need to go see the Franklin Institute. The Liberty Bell is going to be underwhelming. It's a small bell that has a crack in it. It's like, oh, it's historical. F- fuck off. It's boring. The Franklin Institute is probably the be- like coolest m- museum that's ever been made in the history of museums. It's just all kinds of like science and technology stuff. That, you know, they'll have exhibits. There's a huge, like in the biggest IMAX theater I've ever seen in my life. That was not there. When I was a little kid, it was just like this, just... Uh, a lot simpler stuff. They they have uh, they had a massive Rube Goldberg machine. Mondo, you know what those are? Yeah, yeah, those like the constant motion type of dealios. Yeah, what's well, one of those things? Those, those things where it, it's like this elaborate setup where it's like the pool ball knocks over the the water cup and that raises the thing up. And it was one that you would you press and it was all with like pool balls and dominoes and all this elaborate like, stuff. Like, cool the, to look. like the Goonies, like the truffle shuffle scene. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome museum, and it, it only got cooler. They, they just got bigger. They added more wings on. But one of the things I love to do, and this is when I was probably f- four, four years old, I think, is my mom would would take me there, and they had this this old like locomotive, and you you could you you'd go, you could cl- you know as a little kid you could climb around. They always wanted it accessible for kids where you could go, you could go where uh, you know the actual. Um, you know, not the conductor, but like where, where the engineer would run it. And you could also climb back to where all the coal would be stored. And you could like climb around in that. It was always real fun. And I remember the smell from that area where the coal was stored very particularly. Because even when they weren't doing, uh, like they weren't running the exhibit, because uh, they, w- they would actually let you get on it. And then it would go down like 40 feet of track. So you could actually have that whole, this whole old uh, locomotive like fired up and see what it would be like. But I would just go and climb around in that pit, and it had this like very strong metallic sort of smell to it. Like little baby Aaron getting like coal miner's lung <laughs> walking around well, the so train. There, so there was, to be clear, there was not coal in it. It had been cleaned out. Um, so it was just the it was like the smell of like metal, and then also probably hundreds of little kids like crawling around on it and like spitting up on it, and who knows what else. I mean. Certainly not the most sanitary surface ever. Uh, you know, fortunately, I was never like, hmm, what does this taste like? I just remember the smell. It was this very pungent, like, sort of iron smell mixed in with the smell of all the different visitors who were, were touching it and, and going around. And 
I mean, I, I think like if in the middle of the night, I, I, that particular smell just didn't smell like any other metal that I'd ever come across. I, I got I got to ask you. I got we got to go back a little bit. Why has your mom not made you banana pancakes since you were a kid? Why don't Why don't like you ask her to make you some? I could. I also one. I'm not eating uh, eating gluten, so you can get. Isn't Isn't there like gluten free uh, pancake batter stuff? That you can Maybe, get? but it wouldn't smell or taste like my mom's banana pancakes. And she did make me banana. It wasn't like you know turned four years old and stopped. But you got to remember, I I didn't live with my parents from age 18 to age 32 like Mondo, i didn't live in the same state and i also i mean i can't remember the last time she made uh she made breakfast so she would if i asked i'm sure but oh. that was a smell that probably the last time i smelled was like early high school i want banana pancakes i've never had those mexicans don't make banana pancakes we eat the regular kind we eat like bisquick <laughs> Heavily watered. I don't believe quick. that. I feel like that was that was a stereotype. I'm asking Snopes. Do Mexicans make banana pancakes? No, we didn't. I promise you. I swear to you. We never. Like, we had regular old Bisquick, and it was super watered down. It was really. I mean, they were oh, good. I, I believe never... your household didn't. Oh, look at this sweet Mexican banana pancakes. Apparently, that's a recipe. Nah, that's fake. Fake news. Banana pancakes from Dos Caminos Mexican Street Food. Nah. Fake fake news. We don't eat pancakes. Is not a Mexican thing, dude. We eat we eat like uh, we eat like pan, pan dulce and and fucking uh, uh, arroz con leche. You know, there's like other breakfast e dishes we make that are I guess sweet, but pancakes no, not n- that's a white mythology. That's a propagating. Some and in this segment exist. of Asking Reddit, we find out that Mondo had a shitty childhood and tries to no. attribute that to Mexican culture. No, we, we, yeah, we never had, we had pancakes. They were cool. The best pancakes, though, on the topic of pancakes, were my grandmother, my, my since long deceased grandmother, my mom's mom. She would make panqueques con huevo. And what she would do, you know how they make that, the toast with like, oh, the oh egg? wait, so, so hold on. So you're saying she made pancakes. So Mexicans do make pancakes. The holes no, in your story are becoming no, more a, and more apparent the no, more no, no. you talk. It, it wasn't just pancakes. It was panqueques con huevo. So it's a different dish altogether, sir. It was uh, It was basically, you know how you take... how, uh, Wait, how pan- you, Pancakes with eggs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, know how of you... Of course you put eggs in, in pancake batter. Like That's part of pancake no, batter. No, no. You make them, right? To, I'm not done, dude. I got to describe them to you, okay? It's basically an egg over easy... Uh, like in like you take a regular pancake, uh huh. Okay, you got your the, you, the regular pancake that Mexicans don't make. Continue. Yeah, uh huh. Regular pancake on the bottom, and then you and then then you layer it on top of that pancake. You have a layer of an egg over easy, uh huh. And then you layer it again with another pancake on top of that. So you're you're eating basically like a like a sandwich, like an egg sandwich with the pancake or the buns. Uh-huh. And my grandma made that shit. That shit was bomb. That was like. That was like a Mexican version of the McGriddle, like before McGriddles were ever made. Except for my grandma's pancakes, one were the were the I, best. I mean, that that just sounds like a, a, a crepe. So your mom made Mexican crepes, but sure. she doesn't make pancakes because she's Mexican, and Mexicans don't make pancakes. Yep. Via what you just said two minutes Pan- ago. Pancakes. No, we didn't. We don't make banana pancakes. Is what I said. Actually, Your Honor, I would like to dismiss Mr. Ramirez as a hostile witness. <laughs> no, His we don't make statements banana. are not lining up. We don't make and, banana. Uh, we don't need to cross-examine him any further. Thank we you. We don't make. We don't make banana pancakes. We don't the make chocolate. The defense rests. We don't make chocolate chip pancakes. We don't put strawberries and all ba- that crazy bailiff, shit. Bailiff, like, please escort Mr. Ramirez off all the, uh, the witness all the, stand. 
all the IHOP stuff you white folks do on pancakes, that we don't have that growing up, dude. We just have a butter and uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Ramirez, if uh, you keep speaking, we're going to hold you in contempt of court. <laughs> I'm an old, ornery white judge, and I do not uh, want to hear more about your Mexican culture. It offends my southern sensibility. We're, we're, apparently, this trial is taking place in South Carolina. Um, you know what? You know what else? You're not going to get a fair deal, Mondo. You know what else you don't get as kids, Mexicans? We don't get um, like presents at Christmas. Fuck. We no no no. We don't. We, <laughs> we, we don't get regular waffles. We only get ego. Like we don't get. We don't ever get homemade waffles. We only get ego waffles, and that's if you, we're lucky. You don't get a fair shake from the justice system. No, dude. Oh. No. <laughs> no pancakes. No pa- No 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 banana pancakes. No homemade waffles. That shit doesn't exist. Not for us. <laughs> we got a crazy fun tangent there. Uh, some of the other smells that instantly bring people back to the childhood via Reddit users are uh, freshly cut grass, dusty, humid farmhouse, whatever the fuck that smells like. Oh, I know what that smells like. Chlorine. Off. Oh, that's a good one. That's not that's a, a really good one. good one. You know what I don't want to see is someone saying like, uh, "What's that shit that you like?" Uh, when you when you want to like uh, when you want to knock somebody tranquilize them what's that stuff that they like like chloroform rapist? yeah the chloroform like that would be a bad at w- one to answer chloroform brings me back to my childhood my uncle's fingers oh <laughs> no oh, no <laughs> old cigarette smoke play doh my my uncle's fingers from Reddit user in therapy for the rest of my life right there's a bunch of cool ones scotch tape. Elmer's Wait, what, scotch? They, they they haven't smelled scotch tape since they were a kid. Okay, ah, it's got a distinct smell. Um, anyway, that that's enough for ask Reddit question number one. That was a good fun one. Wait, wait, that that just reminded me. I do remember this. You remember the glue? There was like a special sort of glue that they gave you in elementary school. It was like a white paste, right? Yeah, and there was this one kid named. Yeah, it was you know yeah exactly. It was just Elmer's glue, and I remember there was this one kid named. George, who, who I feel like George was like a little bit special, just a tiny bit special. Did he eat it? No, he didn't eat it. I just remember there was <laughs> there was one day where we found him, and he just like like there's that little part of your desk to put the pencils and stuff, like you know, just like the metal desk. You kind of lift it up, and there's this little tiny like uh, pencil tray area, and he just squeezed all the Elmer's glue out into the pencil tray. And we're like, George, what are you doing? Holy George is like. Shit. George is like, I'm making plastic. And we're like, oh. Uh, yeah, smart kid. <laughs> all right, all right, George. Like, <laughs> You have fun with that. What is our next Reddit question? Uh, ask Reddit question number two. What grade A asshole teacher story do you have? Have you ever had a grade A asshole? Like just a shit, shit teacher that didn't deserve to be a teacher? Yeah. Run with it, sir. Sure. Um... Well, this is the one I, that stands out. I, I did not take teachers being assholes personally for the most part. You know, I was actually thinking about this a lot. Like, my, my parents did not raise me to complain about teachers, or, and they really didn't like helicopter parents who would get involved and be like, my kid got a, a B, they need an A, or they're not going to get into Harvard, and you need to change their grade. They're, they're just completely uh, opposed to all that. So the one teacher, though, that, that just frustrated me the most was my sophomore year English teacher and if I could remember her name I I, I, w- I would say it now because fuck her but <laughs> I, 
I forgot. I can still remember her face. I mean, she's exactly what you would you think. You know, like uh, was her first age? Was it Blanche? Was her first name Blanche? Like that, could have been. I don't know what her first name was. I don't remember her last name anymore. But just like middle aged, you know, late forties white woman, little bit overweight, like glasses, kind of. I mean, just the whole stereotype. At that point, I'd already figured out that I just really did not give a shit about high school. The whole experience and the whole process of high school was just boring to me. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I can learn more on my own. 90% of, of what you're doing is just giving us busy work. Like, this isn't actual exploration. I'm not doing anything interesting. And her, her class was painfully boring. I usually loved English class. I'm like, oh, this is a class where I get to read stories? Like, this is incredible. Like, usually that was one of my favorite classes. And she had somehow managed to make it boring. And then... For whatever reason, she gave us an opportunity to do something creative where it was like we could write a paper or – and I don't remember how the, the, the assignment was framed exactly, but we were doing this whole section on leadership where we had to read a bunch of stories and books on leadership. So we read Ender's Game and we read um, The Odyssey, the, you know, the, 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 the uh, Greek epic poem. Homer's Odyssey. That's a good one. Correct. Yes. By, by Homer. The, it's a sequel. It was a two-part. You had the Iliad part one, Odyssey part two, where good old Odysseus is just trying to get home. And I read that story, and I was like, you know what? I feel like this actually didn't completely resolve. Like, he got home, but there's a lot of loose ends that still needed to be tied up. And I was really engaged. I'm like, oh, I get to do something creative with this? So what I did was I wrote, like, a 20-plus page kind of epilogue to the Odyssey, I'm like, well, we got to deal with what's going on with these suitors, and like, this has to happen. And I really threw myself into it. I worked really hard. Like, that's for like a, a whole week. I was just working on this thing and did way, way more than than was asked for the assignment. So proud of myself. And I turned it in. You know, like a, f- a few days later, like she she makes me stay after class, and then she was like, so. Uh, where did you get this from? And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I, I wrote it. And she's like, no, I mean, I looked on the internet and I tried to search and I couldn't find it, but I need, I want you to just come clean with me and tell me where oh, you took this from. What a and, I, and I was like, I was like, look, I don't know what to tell. Like I, I wrote it. And then she starts like quizzing me on like, well, what happened on this page? I'm like, I don't, it's a, it's a like, 23 page story. I mean, I can tell you the gist of it. I don't remember line for line. Like, I don't know if you ever wrote a, an epilogue to the Odyssey, but you know, like, that's not how my, my writing. And I, and at that point I was just like, I just shut down. I was like, all right, whatever. Like I, I wrote it. Like, are we done? I mean, what, what, what are we doing here? And I was just pissed. I was furious. I'm like, don't blame your shittiness as a teacher. And the fact that your class yeah. is painfully boring. Don't confuse my disinterest with your class, with my ability to write and, my potential as a student, those two things aren't linked just because I don't do half of your, your like dumb fill in the blank assignments doesn't mean that I can't write you piece of shit. What grade did you get on that? Do you know? I don't remember, man. That was one where like, I just completely checked out of that class. I was, I was 75% checked out. And at that point, uh, I just, I just stopped trying altogether. That's pretty Um, fucked up. I, I, I was mad. My, uh, my grade A asshole teacher has a lot of similarities to what you just said. So, uh, in 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 high school, I had all A's and B's, and I was taking all honors classes and AP classes. I think I got one C 
Um, and I was really hard on myself for getting that one C. And I think I got like a D or an F in, in calculus one. Those were like my two worst grades. But aside from that, like I've gotten all A's and B's up to this point. And when you graduate high school, much like when you graduate college, you have to take like certain minimum requirement, like whatever classes, I guess, to graduate. And I had not taken a biology class at all up until my senior year. I was like, fuck it. I, I need to take this fucking class. I'll take it now. The biology class I was full uh, that I was taking was was uh, taught by Mr. Smith, renowned Mr. Smith at Montebello High High School. He was the Wait, water- he taught at your school too. We Mr. Smith also taught at my school. That's fucking crazy. Same guy, you think? Probably. This guy was a water polo coach, um, and he was known for being a hothead as a water polo coach, like often getting kicked out of games and matches and stuff. Did he have a big mustache? No, he didn't. This guy oh, was okay. Different Mr. Smith. Okay, continue. Uh, tall white guy with um like like a obnoxious tan like the tan you're not supposed to get but you have like you just like red you know anyway the guy had already had this this uh rep for being a hothead and being a shitty teacher um but he had you know he had tenure so i don't think the school would have given a shit like whatever so i took his class his biology class that was for all intents and purposes supposed to be like a class you take as a freshman or sophomore but mm-hmm. I took it as a senior. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get easy, easy A. This guy did not know what kind of student I was. He did not know I was an A and B student. He had this thing, though, like if you showed up late to class, like even if it was like five minutes, you had to write a, I don't forget if it was one page or two page, uh, whatever essay. And it could be on, it could be an, anything about biology, any, any animal, any science thing, whatever. But it had to be biology related. I was already like, uh, like as far as like he, he would post his grades up every Friday or whatever, and I was already like on on track to get like another B or an A. I forget what it was. Oh, that's what it was. I was like on a B plus. So I was like at eighty nine percent or whatever out of a hundred. So I was like, okay, I gotta keep doing better so I can get my A or at least an A minus or something thereabouts. Showed up late, and if you didn't turn in this one page or two page whatever it was biology paper, he would deduct your grade by ten percent. So I was like, oh shit. I better turn this in if I want to even try to get an A. If not, the worst I can get or the best I can get is a B in this class. Like, that's no matter how hard I try. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to write this one-page paper, whatever. I did my research. I forget what the fuck I wrote the paper on. It was like a beetle or some nonsense. And uh, But again, this guy had no idea who I was or what class, you know. So the paper was well-written, and it sounded like I knew what the fuck I was talking about. I did a bunch of research, turned it in, and he looks at it, and he's like, you didn't write this. I'm like, what? Excuse me? He's like, yeah, I, I don't think he wrote this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you, how can you say I did not write this? He's like, you don't even know half of what these words mean. I was like, you motherfucker. Like, I didn't say that, but I thought, like, you son of a bitch. Mind you, there was a lot of other students in that class with me, and a lot of my friends copied my work because I knew they knew I was kind of a smarter kid. But this guy, this teacher, didn't know who the fuck I was. So I was like, I was like, I know everything on that paper. What are you talking? He's like, well, what does this word mean? And I forget what word it was. It was, a, it was a, you know, whatever. Let's just extraterrestrial or something terrestrial or some shit. Whatever. Probasis. Sure, whatever. And I did. What does my, that word mean, Mondo? I don't fucking know. What it, I, So you don't. So you admit you don't know what it means. Your story again is falling apart, Mr. Ramirez. So I, I, he, he, he picked one word. I gave him the definition of it. He picked another word. I gave him the definition of it. 
and he, I think he picked a third word. And it, all this is happening, mind you, in front of class where everybody is hearing and like watching like what's going on. And like a, a lot of my uh, students, a lot of the other classmates were like with their mouths wide open. They're like, fuck, Mondo's a smart guy and he's talking shit. He's talking back. He's talking sass to the teacher. But I'm like, fuck you. I'm not going to let some asshole teacher tell me that I did not write this paper. So he finally, he's like, he, he convinces himself, okay, this kid did write it. And what does he do with that paper? He just rips it in half in front of everybody, just like shreds it. And then he just basically gives me my 10% credit back on my grade. So I was like, okay, now I'm back on track to maybe get an A. By the way, I ended up, I think I ended up getting an A in that class. And there was only like two or three other A's in that class. So fuck that teacher. See, see and here, here's the thing. And this, this is a big difference. In... My school district, like most of my classmates, if their teacher had done what they did to me, and definitely if they'd done what they did to you in front of the class, their parents would have been all over like the school board calling yeah. for that teacher to get fired. Like that's how they rolled. And that was never, I, I can't remember if I even told my parents about that. And if I did, they were just like, wow, that's screwed up. I mean, yeah, my, my parents wouldn't have done shit about it. But yeah, I, I also did, like you, I didn't. I don't. I doubt I bought it up to my parents. I didn't care. I was like, as long as I got my 10% back on my grade, I'm I'm cool with it. It was kind of funny that I, you know, he tried to accuse me of something, and I was I was able to throw egg back in his face in front of the class. So like his whole plan to humiliate me or do, demean me in front of other people was like it backfired on him, made him look more like. And like I said, the guy already had a reputation for being a hothead, and like, yeah. So fuck him. In the I butt. have two questions for no you. No lube. What? Question one, have you ever plagiarized? Have I ever played what? Plagiarized? Plagiarized? I think I may have borrowed a few lines here or there when I was no, like... No, I like straight up just play, oh, like no, plagiarized. Oh, no, 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 no. If anything, the closest I'd come is I would I would take a line or whatever sentence and like put it in my own words if I felt like there was something that was good, but never I never like copied and pasted or cut and pasted or any of that shit from... Oh Someone no! Well, so okay, so so plagiarizing like that, you just have to be a complete grade A moron. I mean, it's once once the internet was a thing, you just could not do that. I'll, I'll admit, I, I plagiarized one paper in college, Uh-oh. and well, but I did what you what you're talking about just with the whole paper. So I I, I can't remember. I was like, I don't think I'd read the book. I'm like, fuck, this is due. Uh, wow, I need to make sure I pass this class so I can graduate. And I <laughs> I found I found a paper where I'm reading it. I'm like, yeah, this actually sounds. Like, this guy is making a pretty sound argument. Like, this all checks. And then I just, I, I mean, I can type 60 words a minute. You know, I can touch type. I don't, So I just took the paper and in, like, 40 minutes just rewrote the entire thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can actually clean up what he's saying here and blah, blah. You know, and I just rewrote the whole thing. So if you if you did a search, nothing would come up on the internet. But yeah. I always felt bad about that because... Is that considered plagiarizing? That's, that's 100, but you can't just steal somebody's whole like idea and rewrite it that's, well, no, that's not I, okay no. okay yeah if you do the whole paper i guess but no what i what i did was like maybe a sentence here or there it wasn't like you know what i mean um i never i never took a <laughs> i never took well, so, so in your case it would have been better just to take the sentence literally word for word and cite it and then you're just citing another source but i also this was actually great whittier gave me money for this I wrote an entire short story. For plagiarizing? For, well, no, hold on, let me get there. <laughs> I wrote an entire short story for the for a writing contest that Whittier held, and the story was about a kid plagiarizing a paper and getting caught by his teacher. But 
I, I just crammed as many plagiarized quotes from famous like books and stories as I possibly could. Like the whole story was this sort of patchwork of plagiarized like famous like uh. lines from books and all sort of woven together. And I managed to do it in a way where it actually sort of flowed. Like it was a you could tell when a plagiarized quote worked its way in, uh-huh. but I I. I it was actually very hard to write the yeah. language in between each quote and make it all make sense and make the quotes flow with the story. And like, I did more work on that than I would have if I just wrote a regular story. Yeah. And of course I cited everything at the end. That was sort of like the reveal of, of, you know, you'd go back and forth. Oh, where was this from? How did that? And then, and it was actually like had little annotations in the story. So you could go look at the back and see where the quote was from. And yeah, they gave me like $200 for that. I felt That's proud. Cool. That's cool. I would like to read that. I would like to read that sounds that sounds uh, like an interesting take on you know it's a creative take on uh, uh, a storytelling but also like tongue in cheek like ha I'm plagiarizing but I'm not kind of I want to read it. I, I have a I have a second question. Oh. Would would you and this is a real thing I thought about cuz I I I have a, a a semi superpower but it also comes with a huge weakness. Okay. Like this is a super it, it's if there's something I'm interested in, I can focus on it for an extremely long amount of time and retain a, like a ton of the information. So this is an example. Like I remember when I was I was coaching before all the headaches and health stuff really started. I remember I came back and I'd kind of gone down this little rabbit hole trying to learn something in the weekend. And one of the other coaches who who was a friend of mine and kind of understood more or less what wavelength was on. She's like, she's like, so Jaffe, what did, what did you do this weekend? And I was like, oh, well, see, I wanted to make this this like holiday Christmas card for our team. And I was trying to figure out how to uh, put a two-dimensional animation into like into actual video. And then I got into this whole thing about, well, I want to rig it up sort of like as like an like a digital puppet so I can move its limbs and everything. And then it was a, a function of how do I get that puppet um so I can animate it, but then actually insert it into like three dimensional space and make it look like it's moving. And she was like, she's like, that's what you did this week. And I'm like, yeah, I just forgot to sleep between Saturday and Sunday. But like, I learned all this stuff. I can do that. But this is the trade off. If it's something I'm not interested in, I'm like functionally retarded trying to learn it. And I can't, I can't force myself, like no matter how hard I try, if it was something in school that I was bored with. I just couldn't make myself learn it. I remember sitting trying to read a, a history textbook to study for a test, and I'd like read the same paragraph three times, and I'm like I can't remember what I just read. Okay, and your question is: Would you like? Would you take that trade off? Like, what is it worth it? Take what trade off? What do you mean? Like, you can re- if you're interested in something, you can focus on it for like 20 oh, hours straight I think and retain a ton of the information but if you're not interested in it it doesn't matter how hard you try or like oh wow i really need to do this because my my boss said i need to like you just you just don't have a capacity for it yeah i think that's a lot more common than you think but yeah when whenever i'm genuinely interested in something it makes it enjoyable to learn it and i and i learn it better i learn it you know it's it tends to stay with me a little bit longer Whereas when it's something that's kind of like boring to me, like I can I can get by, but I'm not gonna ever be really good at it. You know, does that make I sense? I cannot get by. That's the problem. Yeah, that's like a lot of shit. In you know, when I went to Whittier, you know, you're required to take a couple math classes before you graduate. Graduate. Sorry, <laughs> that was funny. No, just one. Yeah, just one. 
And I went in already with like calculus one under my belt. So like I, you know, they make you take like a, an, they make you take like a test to see where you, where you fit in the math spectrum. And so I took the one class and I, I did horribly in it at Whittier College, but I got my passing grade. I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to be a math major. I don't care. But I, I just squeaked by, you know what I mean? Like I got a C or whatever it was or C plus. I even went to the professor. I was like, look. I'm not trying to get an A here. I don't think I can. I'm trying my my hardest. I'm studying. My roommate is also in the class with me, and we study together every evening. It's just not clicking with me, but I'm also not trying to be a math major. I'm trying to be a business major, so if you can just kind of take it easy on me on the grade, I'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I just I did I did enough to squeak by, but I wasn't I wasn't very good at it. This is how I passed my my math class in Whittier, and this, and this is why I know it was only one. I I'm actually good at math, but I have no interest. It's a weird. It's kind of a weird dynamic. And I found out, because at that point, I, I was more self-aware of my limitation that I just talked about. I'm like, ooh, I need to get through math as painlessly as possible and as quickly as possible. And I found out there was one teacher at Whittier who did not take attendance. <laughs> and I literally, I, I, you know, I went to the first class, and I got the syllabus and all the assignments for the whole semester. And then I did not go for the entire rest of the semester. The the day before the final, I started doing all the homework. Like I started in the afternoon. I'm, st- I'm just going through all the homework. Most of it I knew how, how to do. I'm still working on it. There was like a party at Eric Leiser's apartment. I think this was when he was still in Pasadena. Because I, I vaguely remember the scenario because people are like, come on, we got to go. You got to go. And I'm like, no, I got to do the math homework. And they're like, well, I'll bring it with you. I'm like, okay. So I don't remember the surroundings because the whole time I'm just doing the math homework tr- for the whole semester. And the great part was was Lawrence was there. And I, I, Lawrence was, I think, a physics major. So he was definitely uh, way, way more advanced than I was in math. Because I, I also had not taken a math class at that point uh, since I was a junior in high school. Because I, I did took trigonometry when I was a junior. I'm like, oh, that's all the math credits for high school? Great, I'm done. And so I remember asking Lawrence, wait, I don't, how do you do this problem? He's like, oh, you do this and this is, okay, great, Lawrence, go back. And, and he was, the funny part is he was getting progressively drunker and drunker. And like, <laughs> <laughs> so like his, his explanations were getting harder to follow. But like, I did the whole semester's homework from that afternoon, finished it at the, the party at Eric Leiser's house, went in the next day for the final, turned in all the homework, got a good grade on the final, and I got, I got a C plus for the class. And I, I mean that that was not a good grade for me at Whittier, but I that was I could not have been more pleased to get that C plus. Yeah. I'm like I, I win. Fuck you, system. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel you on that. I get you on that. Some of the other answers. Well, obviously all these answers are gonna be super long, so I'm just gonna pick two or one. I'm just gonna read two of them because there's a bunch of answers. They're all longer, right? Uh, my second class, my second class teacher. I believe they meant second grade. My second grade teacher was conducting some sort of activity with us that required us to skip around in a circle together. I don't know how to skip, so I just kind of hopped around. She was legitimately angry with me saying that I was doing it on purpose. So she took me by my hand and she started skipping around the room. I lost my footing and fell, so she dragged me for a few laps all the while aggressively skipping and calling me foolish. Second story here, my PE teacher threw a rugby ball to a kid who had no interest in playing over and over again. It kept hitting the poor kid's chest and falling to the ground, but the teacher wouldn't let, let it go. The kid could have saved himself by catching the ball, but he was cripplingly introverted and everyone already knew it. We weren't allowed to continue this session unless the kid caught the ball. 
The teacher gave up in the end and allowed him to walk laps around the field, but it felt like it went on forever and ever. It was the most awkward situation for everyone. The image of the ball hitting his chest and falling to the ground was had always stuck in my head. Yeah, there are some uh, there's some really shitty teachers out there. I uh, I've been fortunate enough to have very few bad ones. I've had a lot of average ones and a few really good ones. I wish there was a way to pay the teachers on a scale like I like have the students I don't know if it would work out that way but have the students feel like they're like how well how effective they were as teachers and then give them a, a grade and then get get them a, a, some sort of pay based on that grade but I don't think it'd work out I didn't really think through this no uh, not at all very well yeah I get <laughs> but I wish there was a way to do it right I wish there was some kind of way where the good teachers got paid what they deserved and then the shit teachers just got the fucking boot or you know some thereabouts but well i mean this this is one place where the free market actually would work well and you you just need to incentivize people cuz right now you know teaching doesn't pay very well and it's an extremely stressful job so the best and the brightest are not necessarily going into teaching i, I what what i would love to see and the, I, the people who i've seen who are the absolute best teachers were people who had other careers and then became teachers later in life, uh, which is weird because I worked at a high school right out of uh, Whittier, and there were several co- teachers in that boat where they they had been career professionals. Like like there's this one teacher who who was phenomenal. Uh, his name was Mr. Rodman. He was a math teacher. He and the kids loved him because he was very good at conveying to them that he actually cared about them as individuals. He was very smart about motivating. Like I remember him sitting down you know, at like a bar with me explaining like, well, you know, this is how I integrate teamwork into the math class. So even if a kid doesn't like math, they, you know, they don't want to let down their fellow students and like all of his strategies. And like one of the things though that he was really well known for was he always wore a lab coat for some reason to teach math, which is a little bit weird. But he would show up like if he had a kid in his class that was on a sports team or a player or whatever, but but definitely a sports team. He would show up and he would he would <laughs> be all decked out in school colors. He would wear his lab coat and he have these like giant like uh, knee high like red and white socks, and usually a, a huge red and white scarf. Like looked ridiculous, but every kid was like, oh my god! Like Mr. Rodman came to my my thing. He like he looked hilarious, and just zero ego about it. And he was, he was explaining to me how all these tactics that he learned in the Navy, like he was like, he'd been a pretty high ranking Naval official and that he was using all these team building strategies that he'd learned in the Navy to, to teach kids math. I was like, dang, Mr. Rodman, I wish you, I had you as a math teacher. Yeah. And then you, you kind of wish like, Hey, I, you're like, I wish this guy got paid more than fucking this other idiot that just shows up gives us assignments and then tells us here's the homework see you later like they're, they're, i had a lot of those too right and of course the, the one the one good thing lower marion school district despite being a uh, a public school you could make a bunch of money if uh, you had a graduate degree so oh, he might have been doing okay lucky guy i, I only know that we had <laughs> we had one ap government teacher when i was a senior that liked telling us how much he made um and he and i believe if i remember this correctly he was making one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year what the fuck He's yeah, because he, he had his doctorate, and he was he was making bank. Lower Marion School District. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should get my master's or something and then just go teach and just make Nah, money. not worth it. Probably not. I don't know what I teach anyways. 
Um, Would you, you could teach mixed martial arts to high school? No, kids. you know what? I actually there was you could teach them about UFC two fifty nine. There, there was. We'll get into that in a second. But there, Mondo's like, fuck your. No, segue. no, no, no. We we will go back to because I do want to talk about UFC two fifty nine. There was a moment in my life where I thought maybe I should go back and teach. I actually, I think I even uh, submitted uh, paperwork to go do one of those online whatever get your teaching credential fucking things. And I thought I could go back and be like a a like an economics teacher and or a drama teacher like on the side. You know how sometimes some teachers have like they wear two hats. Like I could go back and teach some drama classes or something or some stage hands, something production, whatever. Anyway, UFC two fifty nine. This Saturday. Holy shit, dude. Um I've been waiting when when they announced this card at the beginning of the year, I was like, holy fucking ball sack. Stacked, I think stacked, probably one of the most stacked cards. It is the most stacked card of this, uh, of 2021 so far. My boy Dominic Cruz is fighting the headlining card of the fucking uh, prelims, if that says enough. He's fighting Casey Kenny. I believe he needs to win that, and he probably needs to win like one or two more fights if he ever thinks he wants to get a title shot again. Um, but Casey Kenny's not a, a walk in the park. What do you think? There, there's a lot of stuff right there you said. I mean... Dominic Cruz is a, a fighter that uh, I was always really impressed with. I mean, both just for the way he approaches the the fight game mentally, the fact that he'd been able to come back from these really bad injuries that would have been career-ending and keep coming back because there was a while where he kept getting injured and getting injured and getting injured. And when he he managed to come back, I think off of a three-year layoff and capture the belt, like that was one of the moments as a fan where, like, I got genuine joy and happiness uh, watching a grown man beat another man. And <laughs> not not to uh, to mix my words, because they're, they're, we're going to probably talk about Aljamain Sterling later. And I do <laughs> I do remember his, post, uh, his post-fight press conference after his last win. He knew he was probably going to get a title shot. And he was trying to say, he's like, Yo, I'm I'm coming I'm coming for that ass, and he he just got a little too excited. He's like, Yo, I'm coming on that ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, whoops, out, Jermaine Sterling. But here, here's here's the reality with Diamond Cruz. Like one, he was super fun to watch, I and mean, his whole style was based on being evasive. You know, people trying to throw punches and making them miss and just hit air. I mean, you know, like doing the matrix, weaving through. It was great. It was fun to watch, but one that style revolves on him being at least as quick as his opponent and usually quicker. And two, that whole style w- was designed to beat a, a wrestle boxer. So meaning someone who usually they're, they're like an alpha male guy, like all the team alpha male guys, right? Right. Exactly. So, so someone who, who you probably grew up wrestling, maybe wrestling in college, mixed martial arts started when they start learning how to box. So someone who primarily throws punches, tries to take down Dominic Cruz, on top of all the injuries, he's just much older now. He he is at the this point where he's slowing down, and he will only continue to slow down. And then two, the the games kind of passed him by a little bit. Like his style does not work as well. The whole meta has shifted. I mean, part of MMA is when something gets really popular, then people start figuring out how to counter that, and then the whole style and the way people fight has shifted. So the way Dominic Cruz has historically fought just isn't going to work as well with the way people are fighting now. So it may be interesting. He may have changed up how, how he fought but or how he fights. But unfortunately, um, I think the days of uh, Dominic Cruz's title shots are probably in the rearview mirror. And at this point, 
it would be great to see him, you know, put on a, uh, one, maybe two more performances. But I, I think he's coming up on his swan song. If if he if he beats Casey Kenny and then he beats two, uh, one or two more guys, I think there's a something that be said that he can get another title shot. I mean, when he was the champ, he was hard to figure out. No one could figure him out for such a long time. And yeah, the injuries kept him out of the game for so long. I don't think it's that far stretched, far fetched for him to re-earn another title shot with. He's got a he's got a string two or three big names. Um, Casey Kenny's not one of them. Right. Yes. So, so that's a big no if. A big if for sure for sure. I'm not saying he's gonna walk through a bunch of Casey Kenny's and then get a title shot. I'm saying he has to go through Casey Kenny. Maybe um, what were we talking about the other guy uh, Sanhagen right? Sanhagen was. Has set He's not going to beat Sanhagen. Well, okay. that's a terrible matchup for him. It, it could be, especially because Sanhagen nah, is. Hold on, let me. Don't I didn't cut you off? Can you please not cut me off? Sanhagen has said before that um, he stylized himself after Dominic watching Dominic Cruz coming up. Yes, yeah, Sanhagen has the age advantage a lot quicker. He's a, like a 2.0 version of what Dominic Cruz is. But hey, if he can beat Sanhagen and beat like one or two other guys in the top. Uh, you know, whatever top ten. If he if he can beat like an Aljamain, let's say Aljamain loses, right? And then he beats mm-hmm. he beats uh uh Sanhagen, he beats fucking this other kid, and then he beats Aljamain, like it's it's very conceivable that, that Dominic Cruz gets a title shot. It's a far fetched from it's it's far from happening, but it it can happen. It can be done. Look at look at um Uriah Faber. How many title shots has that motherfucker got? And did he deserve them? Probably not. Whereas I think Cruz has, because he's got that Kind of in the back, in the back there. There's kind of like okay, he was kind of sort of a goat at the 135 for a period of time. I if I had money, I'd bet heavily on Cruz's because like, he's my boy. He's he's uh, okay. He's my dude. So that's all true. This all revolves around uh, an aging Dominic Cruz who is oft injured, being able to beat guys who are. I think other than the, the T.J. Dillashaw win, they're just younger and at a much higher level than most of his previous opponents, and they're not great matchups for him. Yeah, you're like, if an aging fighter who, who style doesn't really work can beat these young guys who are doing things that his style was never built to beat, could beat them, then yeah, sure. I, I, I like Dominic Cruz. I'm, I hope he does well. My What I would love to see is for Dominic Cruz to get a win and then get some like great fights. Like I would love to see Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo. That'll be a great fight, especially since Jose Aldo doesn't kick anymore. Phenomenal. Yeah, and then uh, and then Frankie Edgar. I think Edgar's fighting at thirty five or forty. He's at thirty five now, right? That would be another phenomenal fight. Like, and Frankie Edgar is a wrestle boxer. Yeah, that's exactly what Dominic Cruz was. You know, built his whole style to beat. That would also not involve Frankie getting knocked the fuck out. Like, because Frankie's also old and slowing down. Those that would be amazing if Cruz was able to end his career fighting Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar. Like. To me, I think that's both more realistic and, in a way, would almost be a bigger draw than a title shot. Sure. In a way, I, sort of, I, I would, because I would that's like, what I want. I would like those matchups, too. I would like for him to be a champion, sure, but if, he, if for whatever reason it took a different course and he fought these other kind of veterans of the game with big names, fuck it. I'm mm-hmm. still going to watch them. I think everybody's going to watch those fights, you know? Sure. So that's all I got for that fight. Um, I can talk about all, almost all these fights, so I think... It's, you can you're next if you want to pick a fight. There are three championship fights in this card, and all three are worth talking about. I don't know where you want to go next. I'm wishing 
Tiago Santos well. <laughs> I thought he arguably beat John Jones, although John Jones just barely edged it out. And he did that with his leg getting completely fucked up. I mean, this guy was fighting who people widely think is the, the greatest of all time. I don't hold that same belief, whatever. But Tiago came back after getting his leg just completely fucked up and uh, and lost to Glover Teixeira. Tiago Santos is the one fighter who I've seen out in the wild, out in real life. Uh, he was at a Whole Foods salad bar, and I did not go up to say hello. <laughs> and Because, one, I didn't know how well he spoke English. And I was like, uh, I know obrigado, but that that's probably not going to be the most helpful. And two, he was one of the few fighters. Like he looked mad at that fucking salad bar. Maybe he was mad that he had he had to eat salad. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but he just looked furious. And that is a big, big dude. I've I've seen multiple uh, UFC fighters. At that time, he was fighting at 185 pounds. He went up to 205, which I think is probably a better weight class for him. He just he just looked massive. I've seen plenty of, of 185ers where I was like, yeah, that's like the same size I, I am. I mean, I, I trained with Ian Heinish, who I don't think he's top 15 anymore now that he, after the Kelvin Gastelum loss, but like, like him, he was like very thick, but he was, he was a couple inches shorter than I was. And I was like, yeah, this guy's about the same size as me. And Tiago Santos just looming like six six two, just freaking unit staring daggers at the lettuce and Whole Foods. I'm like, fuck, I'm not talking to this guy. You're looking at his unit? You gross. No, no, he he is a he he is a unit. Oh, sorry, sorry. I miss I misunderstood. That would be <laughs> that'd be Tiago, turn this way and then just get down on one knee. Okay. Oh wow. Very very impressive. <laughs> just just get I'm just like giving him like staring at his junk, just giving a thumbs up. <laughs> like, yeah, that <laughs> That that would have probably not gone well. See, that's why I didn't talk to him. And he's I, and I, he's I, mad that he's eating salad too. He's like, why are you staring at my dick, fool? But he's getting married to Yana Kunitskaya. Good job, Tiago Santos. You're winning at life. Yeah. Good work, buddy. Um, Fight well. Yeah. That's what I say. He's fighting Alexander Rakic. Rakic. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Rakic. I know. Yeah. I know the dude's a destroyer too. So it's gonna be an interesting fight. Um, I think Tiago Santos is better now. Obviously, from his his uh, his surgeries and his leg and all that shit like that. I think that's. I think he's managed to he's put that at distance. So hopefully we get to see the Tiago the Destroyer return, and it'll be a good fight for him. He's ranked number two, you know. Hopefully that's surgery is a lot better now than it used to be. But I, I mean, you were never the same. You, surgery doesn't magically fix things. You develop scar tissue. The, the joint's never quite as good as it was, and it's just to what degree. So I'm I'm hoping for the best for him though. I I like. Tiago. Uh, on the on the big picture here, though, I think now that John Jones is bulking up and left the division, uh, light heavyweight's a lot more interesting, right? It's it's gotten a lot more. I think a lot more fun matchups that can ha- can can happen either way. Well, that's the other part. Like the whole division is just the, people disagree with this. I I've, I no longer get into this argument because people have a lot of trouble evaluating different errors because right now, w- even without John Jones in it. Light heavyweight, in my opinion, is the best it's ever been in terms of the caliber of the athletes and the skill of the fighters. And people are like, what are you talking about? Do you remember there was like Chuck Liddell and Lyoto Machida? I'm like... That was fun, though. Yes, those guys almost only seemed good compared to each other. They would get bodied by the people in 205 now. There's a difference between how famous someone is and how good they are. It's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the talent level has gotten better everywhere, I think, for sure. But yeah, light heavyweight looks looks pretty good. And as we mentioned, Tiago Santos on one leg, like what was it? Like his ACL and his MCL were both torn. I don't know. Probably like fucked up John Jones. And then 
the following fight, John Jones, I really think lost. I think John Jones just eked out a win over a one-legged town of Tiago Santos. And then he, I think he lost that fight to Reyes. Obviously, yeah. the judges scored it for John Jones. Yeah. I think Reyes won that three rounds to two. So it's like, yeah, he's going to heavyweight. But, I mean, I think these contenders are better than what Jones has faced. And, yeah, this is the first time where I'm like, oh, like, 205 is not a complete joke anymore. Yeah. Like, they're actual good fighters now. Cool. And they don't have a – there isn't a fighter out there that's going to get the nod from the judges just because of your name. I think that's what happened for a lot of John Jones's fights. Like, oh, it's John Jones. Eh, Whatever. It is what it is. He's gone. To be the champ, you have to beat the champ and other sayings that don't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, what other fun fights do we want to talk about, man? There's, there's. Do we want to move into the championship fight now? The championship fights now? Yeah, that's fine. We can skip Islam Makachev. And Drew Dober. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fight, too. Don't get me wrong. No, no disrespect to number 14, number 15, the lightweight rankings. But the championship fights are what the, where, the, where the money's going where where all the eyes are headed for it on this card. Yes, sir. You got Piotr Jan who uh you know defeated Jose Aldo to crown himself the bantamweight champ. Um fighting against Aljamain Sterling who's finally getting his GD title shot. Yes, sir. Aljo's your boy. I like him. I liked him when he was an up and comer when he was the funk master. I know I know he's still the funk master but when they first introduced him as that. I was like, No, he, he's the spunk master now. After that the comment, spunk master. Yeah, it sounds like it. I liked his swag. I liked how he had this, the gold chain and all that nonsense. Kind of he used to walk around in. Um, he's he's a little bit more mature now. He's <laughs> just a tad. He's uh, evolved uh, as a fighter. Yes. And Can I speak about that for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I'm waiting for you to chime chime in. Actually, you really hit on when you said he's evolved. And that's something that's extremely, extremely rare. Like most people, when they say, oh, I've really evolved as a fighter, it, it either means that they learned like a new kick or yeah. they, they could punch a little bit differently, but they're still basically the same fighter. They've just added a little wrinkle to what they're already doing. Or in some fighters' case, they're like, yeah, I've really evolved as a fighter. Like I don't do coke on fight week anymore. <laughs> and like, like, I mean, that's, I mean, some... They're seeing a dietitian or something? Yeah, some version of that. I mean, there's some fighters where it's, where it, when they say they've evolved, it's like they were living a really precarious, risky lifestyle, and they're like, yeah, I'm not a complete fucking maniac. It's extremely, extremely rare for a fighter who is very successful, like, you know, to look at their game and say, yeah, I can do well with this, but to get where I want to go, I'm going to have to dramatically change the way I fight. I'm going to have to work on things that don't come naturally to me. Like that takes a lot of self-awareness and being really humble and going through some shit. Like, especially for someone who who is a grappler like Aljamain Sterling to really become a striker when you know, Oh, if I just go back to what I'm used to, I might get an easy win. Like I'm not going to have to get punched in the face. I'm not going to have to worry about getting knocked out, really focus in on that. It can be difficult to do. And, and, his evol- his real evolution from being just just a submission grappler to I'd say like an above average kickboxer to the current incarnation, which is I mean he he's got this free flowing exciting style. He'll throw all kinds of crazy kicks and squint spinning elbows, and he chains them together in interesting ways like that are just very fluid. Now he's really started to mix all the grappling back into that. It's he's just an exciting fighter, and like I said, you don't see that very often. I'm hoping for the best. Tough, uh, 
tough challenge when there's a, a guy who can knock you out, but I I think he's actually ready for this title shot. I was watching the odds like a week or two ago, and Piotr Jan opened up as a as a slight favorite. I think the last I checked, the lines were pretty much even. Like I think now people are actually buying into Aljo as being like a legit contender or le- legitimate at deserving the title shot. Aljo's come pretty close before and then just never made it to the dance, but now he's there. And uh, as long as he stays within himself and doesn't let the, you know, the the championship uh, kind of the, the lights kind of um, get him a little too overhyped and just stays within his, his game, he's got a really good chance at, at being a champion. Well, and, and I don't think he will because he, he, he had those moments when he was younger. I mean, I, I remember he started his, his UFC career 5-0 and and... The, the division was a lot shallower than it is now. There just weren't a lot of big names. So at 5-0, and he was fighting Brian Caraway, uh of of previously banging Misha Tate fame. <laughs> I remember, like... And now stealing her ATV. He t- yes, that was that was another another uh, prime move of his. And I remember, you know, I follow Aljo on social media, and he was saying, like, oh, my God, like, this is the biggest fight of my career. And I remember thinking, you better hope it's not. I mean, like, maybe up to this point it is. But he definitely got really nervous because he knew there was a legitimate shot. Oh, if he beats Brian Carey, he goes to 6-0. and He might get a title shot off of that. And he got so excited in that fight. I think the moment got to him. And he was just fucking kicking the shit out of Brian Carey the first round. And he worked way too hard for a submission that... People would in a gym, I'm sure, would tap to because it was extremely painful. But there, but other than pain, there wasn't like you weren't going to dislocate anything. You weren't going to go unconscious. And Brian Caraway just toughed it out. And then Alger was completely gassed for the next two rounds, and he lost. And after that fight, I, I really think he he sat down and was like, you know what? Like, I had a lot of trouble getting Brian Caraway down. Like the takedowns were were hard to come by. He really gassed himself out going for them. And I think he was like, I do not want to live in a world where I can lose to a Brian Caraway in anything other than maybe an ATV race. <laughs> I think he used that joke before already, but carry on. I, I did, but that was to you off air. Thanks for spoiling that. <laughs> Just because that wasn't spontaneous and I reused the joke that I came up with. Fucking son of a bitch, goddamn. <laughs> but um, but I, I and then that was the thing though. I think he really looked at it and he's like, you know what? There was going to come a fight where maybe I can't get the guy down. I'm not a championship fighter on my feet. And he worked so hard to change that. And, he, you know, he had, he had a split decision loss to Asuncao after that. So after going 5-0, and he's 0-2 against Brian Caraway and Asuncao. And, but he, like, stuck with it. He kept getting better as a striker, better as a striker. It was really coming along. And then he just got absolutely flatlined. Who, who was that? It was flying uh, knee what's by, his name? Uh, flying knee by... Uh, Marais, right? Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, Marlon Marais, and it wasn't. No, it wasn't even a flying knee. It was Aljo. I, I think he got hit once, you know, just by a punch or something, and it was like, oh fuck, this guy's more powerful than anyone I fought. Because Marais, for the first round or, or two, is just an absolute monster, just powerful fighter, and he kind of got a little twitchy, and he shot for a panic takedown. Uh, and when I say why, why I say it's a panic, there was no setup. He didn't he didn't disguise it. He just went in. So it wasn't. I don't think it was really flying. I think he just timed a knee, and Aljo literally yeah, you're right. dove you're into right. his knee. I remember the him lying uh, just unconscious on the canvas with his arm kind of across his face. So it did, it did look like he was doing a dab, even in knockouts. <laughs> You've seen it a thousand times. Though. What what usually happens when 
a guy gets knocked out that badly? Like, what what are they like their next fight or two? They're hesitant. They're hesitant to fucking uh, take go for a takedown. They're like very, they're squeamish about it. They don't want to pull the trigger. Yeah, they're just not the same. Yeah, fighter. well, even striking too, right? They're not the same guy. And that's usually that's usually what happened. And I think Aljo was like, okay. Yeah, getting knocked out sucked, but the reason I got knocked out was because I wasn't trusting my striking. I went for this takedown. Like it wasn't striking that got me knocked out, and he just seemed to buy into it even more. So well, you, you, there, he had fights against really heavy hitters like Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, where he just it looked like I mean he was not throwing cautious to the wind, a caution to the wind. He was still fighting defensively, like head movement, like evading punches, but just waiting in and engaging in the striking battles with him and looked phenomenal. And last part, uh, and then I'll, I'll just jump off of Aljo's tip here. Um, <laughs> he had a much tougher road than Peter Yan did. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Peter Peter Yan. I think Peter Yan be like uh, he beat some no name guys, and he beat Uriah Faber was like the first big name, I think. And then uh, and then John John Dodson was the first big name he okay. beat, and then he beat Jimmy Rivera, and then uh, he beat a fifty seven year old Uriah Faber, and then he beat. Uh, Jose Aldo for the championship. Yeah, and that was the ban- that was a vacant at that time. That was a vacant bantamweight championship because Cejudo left the the the, the league or the the whatever the UFC. Correct. Um, and, and and Jose Aldo got a, a title shot off of a loss. I think did he fight anything? Well, no, uh, after no, that I think loss? he did have one win. I don't remember against who. I I can't remember against who, but I think he had one win. But yeah, it was like it was more on it was more based off of his name that he got a title shot. It wasn't about his merit. It wasn't like oh shit, he 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 earned it. I can't remember. Oh no, he didn't. I'm looking at it. He didn't. So he he lost to Volkanovski at 145. He went down to 135. Lost to Marias by a split decision. And again, I I think Aldo did win that fight. Like if I was let me let me rephrase. If I was scoring it, I would have scored it for Aldo. I think, but it was very close. And then. Immediately after the loss to Marias, then he fights Peter Yan. Okay. I got it wrong, but still. Peter Yan's no joke, though. I mean, he, he's, he's good. He's very good. He's a power, and it seems like he's got, like, Energizer Bunny, like, uh, endurance. Like, he just, he's in fade. He's he's very efficient. You know, like, there's some fighters where you see them, and they're, like, high energy, but they're all over the place. And you're like, what is this actually leading to? Yeah. Like, he doesn't waste energy. When he does throw power shots, it's like they're well-timed and well-placed. You also see guys who are just winging big punches where they're not really in a position to land, and he doesn't do that either. He he is a very good fighter from what we've seen, but I also think largely untested, and that's what this is makes it such an exciting fight. You know, the champion who's untested versus a much more te- tested dynamic challenger who I, I think there's only two other guys that I've ever seen that are like Aljo. Got back on him, back on the tip. Uh, <laughs> climb, climb back up on that thing. You love it. Tony Ferguson in his prime, I think had a similar style and skill set, but I think Aljamain actually does it better. And then a younger John Jones before he became a uh, through and through Jackson Wink point, point, point fighting fighter, kickboxer. Yeah. Like, again, like similar, but skill set wise, both I think Aljo is much better. Than, than than John Jones was. John Jones was just a, a much much better athlete than everyone who was fighting. I just like uh, Longo and Sarah a lot, and I hope that their boy pulls through. I, I think Aljo can. Um, I wish I wish Aljamain was going in as a, as an underdog so I can bet on it and get some more money out of it. It kind of worries me that the line is pretty even now. 
But uh, yeah, I, I'm ho- I'm hoping for Alger to pull through. Um, he's not, I I don't I don't ride his dick the way you do, but I, I do like I've I've always liked him. But uh, you know he 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 deserves a belt. He's been putting in the work. The next, the co-main event. Yeah. Megan Anderson, the contender, goes up to fight Amanda Leoa, the Lioness Nunez, who just had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. Sort of. Yeah. Aaron and I talked about this before the uh, before recording about like my my stupid question was <laughs> like I wonder how Amanda and Nina Ansaroff decided to choose which one of them was going to give birth, and uh, I think I think the Aaron answered it, but it was a consensus answer that I think it was kind of like well Amanda's the breadwinner, <laughs> and she's a no, more. No, I, 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 what what did you what did you say what did you say how did you say it? N- I, that was the joke I made, and I said I think in reality it was probably Nina wanted to be a mother, like she wanted the exp- the experience of of carrying a child, and it was like, yeah, like I want to be a mom. They're like, okay, let's do this. Sure, I'll, uh, yeah, okay, I believe you, but I also think Amanda is, you know, a little bit more the masculine of the two. If you had to pick, uh, Amanda is is the breadwinner since she's been the champ. She's got a lot, a lot of cred, right? She's like the she's like the goat women goat fighter. So I think I was kind of made it easier for like, hey, well Nina's not in the championship contention yet. Let's let's get her knocked up and <laughs> let, me, let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I I get some motherhood vibes from Nina. Like the way I picture Nina holding a baby <laughs> Is, is, you know, having it swaddled, she's cradling it under one arm, she's got it secured with the other arm, she's, like, gazing down at it lovingly. And the way I picture Amanda holding a baby is standing on top of a couch, like, dangling it from his legs, like, shaking it back and forth, laughing, like, ha, 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 ah, baby, ah, baby. Like, that's, that's the vibe I get from the two. So I, I get the motherhood vibes from Nina, and I think they're, like, not real confused about who's going to bear the child. <laughs> Anyway, that was enough about Amanda and Nina having babies. Uh, All right, so next con- fight. Con- no. <laughs> congrats to them. Congrats to them. Amanda, huge, huge, huge. And by all, you know, she deserves to be a huge favorite over Megan Anderson. Megan's fought before at 145 and then okay. She's fought. She's been fighting at 35 and been doing okay. I just don't know. I mean, what what tools does Megan have that, Amanda hasn't faced before. I mean, maybe maybe the reach, the length, that kind of thing. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I mean, Cyborg has crazy had crazy power or crazier power than Megan. And in fact, Cyborg Cyborg beat Megan Anderson. And we're gonna do a little bit of MMA math here. Mm, no, no, they never fought. Yeah, they have Cyborg and Megan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they fought at 145. Maybe I'm wrong. Nope. Are you sure? Yep. Are you lying? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm going to look up on SureDog now because now I'm questioning myself. Cause I could I could have swore Megan fought Cyborg. They both fought Felicia Spencer. and Fel- So Cyborg fucked Felicia Spencer up. And Felicia Spencer, I think, but no. I know Megan and Cyborg never fought. I'm going to look it up now, you son of a gun, because I don't believe you. Anyway. Okay. Um, But I, I don't think Megan has anything that can threaten... Amanda, if you know Amanda, Amanda fights like a dude. Let's be real; she fights like a dude. She used to gas earlier on in her career, but that doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. She's the new mom, so I think she's got a lot enough going for her. Where she's like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think Megan can bring anything to uh, to the game, to the table here. Yeah, I mean, so Megan Anderson did give Holly Holm a ton of trouble on the feet. I mean, Megan was piecing Holly Holm up a little bit, but. 
no no disrespect to Holly Holm. I know she's like an 18-time boxing world champion, but you got to remember in boxing, like Armando, like we we could we could, if we could as long as we could get it sanctioned by a state commission, we could have the the degenerates boxing world championship of uh, Lakewood, Colorado, get it sanctioned by the Colorado Athletic Commission, and then have two random people fight for that and call one of them world champion. Yeah. Like Holly Holm as a striker is. Nearly on Amanda's level. I mean, it's nice that she's got all those those boxing world, quote unquote, world titles. Not to detract from them, but they were more like regional titles. And you know, when when Amanda and Holly Holm fought, Amanda was like, "Oh, I remember when you head kicked Ronda Rousey. I'm going to do that because I think it'll be funny." And knocked Holly Holm out with a head kick, like just because she she saw someone showed her a clip of Holly Holm head kicking Ronda Rousey, and she's like, "Oh, cool, I'm going to do that." She like Babe roofed it. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna literally pick my shot. And just set this up. I hope Megan does well, but I think if Amanda decides she wants to take her down, she can do that. I think if they strike, she can do that. I, the only way that um, I, th- and this is this is for real. I think Megan's path to victory is she just has to be big and strong and durable, and hit Amanda hard enough where Amanda gets a little bit worked up. Have Amanda fuck her up a little bit and survive it to the point where she. She, Amanda gasses out, and then she can beat her in the championship rounds. Uh, Amanda's actual cardio, I don't think, is any better than it's ever been. The difference is that Amanda is much more mature as a fighter, and she's much better at pacing herself and keeping her, herself from getting too excited. Because when your heart rate gets real up, when you're like, oh, my God, I'm about to finish the fight, or you get like, a little bit nervous, your heart rate goes crazy. And then once you recover from that, you, that's when they're talking about a general end up. You just feel exhausted. And that, I think, might be Amanda's last loss. And that's exactly what happened uh, against Kat Zingano. Amanda was fucking her up so bad, and Kat survived. Amanda had nothing left in the tank. So it's not a good sign when the challenger's one path to victory is that she has to get fucked up so bad that the champion gets excited and tires herself out. (laughs) (laughs) Not where you want to be. Megan is... uh, Not to to disparage the poor girl, but she's a bit of a butterface... She likes to flaunt all her little, you know, pictures in her panties on Instagram and stuff like that. And God bless her. I follow her. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking shit. I enjoy it. How serious is she taking it? I don't know. Serious enough. I mean, she's fighting for a belt. Let's see if she, sho- she, she shows up with it. What I do like is that she's with, um, God, that James Krause. I, I, uh, James Krause. I love James Krause as a, as a fighter. I love him as a coach. His 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 fighters, his athletes do pretty well consistently. Uh-huh. I don't know how well Kraus has, uh, how, how much Kraus was able to um, teach Megan, uh, but mm-hmm. but he's a he's a good coach. I I, re- I respect him as a coach for sure. So uh, now I'm just curious to know what what year was it that Megan fought? Oh no, they Cyborg? didn't. I, they didn't. They didn't. I looked it up. They didn't. You're right. They didn't. I could have sworn they were matched up to fight though. I, I'm not. A, I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm not imagining that. Maybe they may have been matched up. Wait, wait so I'm sorry. What, what was that? You, I, I, I'm, I'm what? You're right. I'm. I'm right. No, fuck. My headphones are cutting out. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> Suck my balls, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, no, the, I, I could have swore that they that they fought. I was wrong. I was mistaken. Megan did not fight Cyborg. Uh, but I do know that Megan was 
uh, fighting at 45 when Cyborg was still in the 45 division. I think there are... Yeah, there's like two of them. <laughs> was like, I, I, I understand the mistake because there was like two people in the yeah. entire division and they never yeah, fought yeah, each yeah. other. I know Yana Kuniskaya was brought in from another league to fight Cyborg at 45 and then Yana moved mm-hmm. down to 35, which is her natural weight class. So I, again, they, yep. were, they were having trouble finding people to fight Cyborg when Cy- Cyborg was a 45 uh, queen, if you want to call her. Whatever. Yep. Um, I would have liked. I'd actually would have liked to see Megan and Cyborg fight. That would actually be a pretty solid. Well, now matchup, now that Cyborg's not the same fighter, maybe maybe it'd be fun to watch. You know, that's a whole other. Let's not yeah, get yeah, sidetracked yeah. on that because we got a, a double champ potential double champ fight coming up. God, I hate Izzy. I mean, Israel uh, style bender Adesanya is uh, eighty five. Mondo, is it because he's is he because he's black or because he's Nigerian? Which which part? It's because he's cocky. It's because of his 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 swag is like a little too it's it's like a greasy swag, but but we'll get we'll get Israel Adesanya. Oh, I got it. We're okay. We're using we're using euphemisms. He's cocky. Oh, He's greasy. Israel, Israel Adesanya. Jesus Christ, Mondo. I would have said the same thing about fucking um, Colby Covington. You know, he's like you think you'd say he's greasy. Yeah, he's greasy. He's a slime bag. He's a fucking sleaze ball. It's all it's all shtick. How? Anyway, dare hey, you we're talking compare about Israel Adesanya to Colby Israel Covington. Israel Adesanya, the style bender. Check your priorities, son. Israel Adesanya, the style bender, one eighty-five pound champ. I think I think he yes. wanted to move up to fight John Jones. I think John Jones. I think he was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna go take John Jones's belt." It didn't happen that way. John Jones, you know, ducked his tail, and cowered, and ran to two hundred five because he knew he was he was slowing down and the the talent was catching up to his age or whatever. Um, but as he's moving up to 205, first fight at 205, and it's for a championship belt, which is interesting. Fighting against Jan Blachowicz, the uh, the polar assassin, I'm going to call him. I don't know if he's got a real nickname, but he's got he's got power. The guy's got power. He beat Dominic Reyes, who we thought beat John Jones. Mm-hmm. I didn't like to see Dominic Reyes lose to Jan, but hey, credit is credit credit where credit is due. Jan beat Dominic Reyes fair and square. He knocked him out. Or TKO'd him. I can't forget which. Is this a good move for Izzy or a bad move? What do you think? I think it's a good move. I actually heard uh, Izzy do an interview about this, and it was not in his plan. He, in Izzy's mind, he said he wanted to go up to 205 a year from now in 2022 and fight John Jones. Then it was after the Costa fight. His coach was like, "All right, I think this is the time." And I think probably doubly so once Jan win, wins uh, won the belt because I, I feel like they they thought. That was a good matchup for Israel. Yeah. When it's a, a striking matchup, weight doesn't play into the equation quite as much, right? Because and I think it actually favors the, the smaller guy often. You know, it, particularly if there's not like a big reach disadvantage. I mean, Izzy's a very tall, rangy guy. He's got long arms, so it's not that he's he's any shorter than than Jan. It's not like he's not gonna be able to reach him. And the weight just doesn't enter into it quite as much, other than than punching power. To, to some extent, I think they co- they looked at it and they're like, this is a great time to do it. He's fought a lot of the guys at 185 now. He hasn't completely cleaned out the division, but close to it. And they're like, hey, this is, this is a chance to go up, get a good matchup, you know, maybe grab the 205 belt. And then just maybe if John Jones goes up and manages to, to kind of boxcar Homer Simpson, just tire the guy out on his way to a, a heavyweight championship, that would be unprecedented, you know. A double champ at 185 and 205 fighting the former 205 
pound champ, current heavyweight champ. I mean, that would be a mega fight, and I think that they were sort of seeing all that come together. Do you think if if Dominic Reyes would have beat Jan Blahovich, do you think Israel Adesanya would have moved up to 205? Or do you think that the fact that Jan won, that kind of played into like, oh, this is a different type of matchup? I th- My opinion is that if it would have been Dominic Reyes is a champ right now, he wouldn't have moved up as quickly. I think he would have, you know, waited. I think Dominic Reyes has different tools than Jan. Uh, I don't know. I actually think Reyes is a better matchup for him than, than Jan is. Really? Yeah. I just see, like, I just see Reyes has the, the reach, the length, the reach, um, where, you know, fighting an Izzy, you, you take those, you take that, or that advantage away from Izzy. Like, Izzy's typically longer than the guys he fights. Taller, longer, lankier. He's got s- disgustingly good technique is his is his strength, for sure. The the problem that Reyes would run into is he, he is much greener uh, as a striker. And just to let you know, Reyes has a shorter reach than, than um, Blakowicz does. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Jan, Jan's got one, one inch longer reach. Oh, okay. Why is it? Why is it like for me in my mind? I, I imagine Dom just be like longer, taller, longer legs. I don't know. Reyes, Reyes, so Reyes is two inches taller, and and that two inches is definitely in his torso. Dom, Dominic Reyes, his legs are about like two feet long, and his torso is about like five and a half feet long. Okay, that's probably what it is. I don't know. Give or take an inch in either direction, but you you know what I'm saying. No, so so Reyes is is a couple inches taller than than. Uh, Jan is, but his his reach is, is is an inch shorter. Same thing, like like Max Holloway, very tall guy, not a very long reach. So Conor McGregor's reach when he fought Max Holloway was significantly longer, even though Holloway is a couple inches taller. You know, we're all we're all built and shaped a little differently, Mondo. Got it. This is this is what I was trying to get across. Reyes is much newer to mixed martial arts. I mean, he he is, I think, still. The best all-around athlete the light heavyweight has ever seen, despite losing to, to Jan. And John Jones. Um, and I, I would I would stand by that. And just, just in terms of speed, quickness, explosiveness, all that stuff. I mean, I think Dominic Reyes is actually a legitimate NFL-quality athlete fighting at 205. That's the first time we've ever seen that. John Jones could not make his, his varsity high school football team. Like, that's just the reality of it. The reason why John Jones isn't in the NFL like his brothers is because he just wasn't athletic enough it's weird. This this, <laughs> this this whole segment is me like praising Aljo and shitting on John Jones. God, I didn't know I was I was this biased. I mean, I'm gonna stop talking about John Jones. Reyes Reyes is a phenomenal athlete, but he's relatively new to mixed martial arts, and he's relying on that speed and that quickness. Like for him, it's not always about great technique, great setup. It's like. I, he for him it's like I can get that jab in just a little bit faster than the other guy. Oh, I can I can cut that angle faster than my opponent does. When your skill level is a little bit closer, you know, when his opponent couldn't anticipate that stuff in advance of him doing it, it worked great. When you run into guys like Jan and Izzy, and particularly a guy like Jan who is a very skilled striker, has been doing it for a long time, and is super powerful, that's where you get yourself into trouble. And I think. Reyes's game would work even worse against Izzy because Izzy is similarly skilled to Jan, but is way quicker and taller and longer, and that would just be a difficult matchup for Reyes because he because Reyes could not match him skill for skill. I think it'd be even harder for him to out athletic uh, Izzy. Well, that's your your opinion. My opinion is yeah. that 
if Dom would have beat Jan, <laughs> I think if Dom would have beat Jan, Izzy wouldn't have moved up. He might have waited another fight or two. Maybe. But uh, anyway, the, the, that's whatever the case may be. Jan is the champ fighting Izzy. They're both champs. Even though Izzy's moving up, the smaller guy moving up to fight the 205 champ, Izzy's opening up as a pretty big favorite. Not big, but big enough where it's like, what the fuck? I just don't think that people buy into the Jan hype. Jan does have power. Um, but maybe they saw enough in the Costa-Izzy fight at 85 where they thought, well, Costa was a big monster and punches hard, and he wasn't able to do nothing against Izzy. I think maybe that's how they're comparing it. If 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 I were a layman or odds maker, maybe that's how they're looking at it. I don't know. Well, I, I can can Izzy be knocked out? Probably. I mean, I, we've seen his face. Well, he 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 has been knocked out, like out cold. So we know he can. Well, in the U, not in the UFC, right? Right, but like the UFC has smaller gloves, and it's. I mean, like his brain didn't magically become bulletproof once he he entered in the UFC. Just no one's been able to land yeah, that shot I, on him. Well, in the I, UFC. I think I forget which fight he's he's been damaged for sure. He's been touched for sure. He's been hit here and there, and his face has shown it in a couple fight in post fight interviews. Jan has you know has that KO power, so we'll see. I'd like to see that happen. If Izzy wins, if Izzy wins, he's got to fight other 205ers that we just finished talking about, like Alexander Rakic or Tiago Santos. Like, those guys are also just heavy, bomb-throwing motherfuckers, so it's not like it's Izzy's fighting or going to be fighting uh, chumps. Just the one thing, because I do agree with you. I don't think people are giving Jan enough credit. And it's like, yes, he has knockout power, but if that was all he had, Izzy would just run through him. Like, just having knockout power and being yeah, big. kicks, too. Well, he, he's just very skilled overall. I mean, if you look back, like, he was, he won the the Muay Thai World Championship in 2008. He took third place in 2007. He took first place in the U- European Cup in 2008. Like, he's been doing Muay Thai for a really long time. And again, that was that was the problem that... Reyes ran into like yes Reyes is much quicker and a better athlete than Jan but Jan could read his timing like he set him up he he got his rhythm down and then caught him trying to come in and that was all he wrote because like you said he hits very hard so it's not purely oh this is just a, a you know big heavy puncher because yeah so is Paulo Costa Jan is a Muay Thai world champion so he's also a very, very good striker. Uh, we've seen Izzy be a very, very effective counter striker. And mm-hmm. and it played against Costa's favor when Costa did not press forward at the 85 championship fight. Is Jan going to learn from Costa and like maybe press? Do you think? Is he going to... Is that... Because a lot of champions don't typically press. A lot of champions like, oh, I'm the champ. They think that like, I got to be beaten for me to lose my belt. Right, a lot of them go into mm-hmm. the fight thinking that I just gotta, I just gotta edge by, keep my belt. That's all they do. But it's interesting against Izzy because if he wants to win convincingly, even even by the judges' scorecards, I think he's got to press a little bit. Like he can't, he can't sit and wait. Otherwise, it'd be a boring fucking fight. I would expect him to to not not just press. I would expect Jan to look for the clinch a lot. If he tries to fight on the outside, he'll he'll just get demolished. You know, Izzy's taller, he has a longer range. He's way, way faster. I mean, that's one of the things that I don't think people realize all that often is compared to the 185-pounders, particularly the ones now, like guys like Whitaker and uh, Adesanya, 
the the 205 pounders are just incredibly slow. And Jan is not a fast 205 pounder to begin with. So one of the big advantages he does have is the size and the weight. But if it's an outside striking battle, that doesn't come into play. One of the one of the really effective places in Muay Thai, though, is when you get into a clinch, you're hanging in the guy's neck, you're making his head carry all your weight, and you're just leaning on him. I, so I would expect to see him not just press, but to try to corner Izzy, get him in the clinch, even just do some some uh, like wall and brawl, you know, where he's got him trapped up against yeah. the cage, you know, he's got him pinned, throwing knees, throwing elbows. And Jan's also a good grappler, so I mean, I think he understands that he's at a, a big speed disadvantage, and he's not going to have the big technique advantage that he had over Reyes. So both that's the, that's the thing is these are both very smart cerebral fighters, and he's going to look to exploit his advantages, and that means getting in close and getting a hold of Adesanya. And it'll be interesting to see what he does with it, where he tries to take it, and then how Adesanya tries to counter that. I really want that fight to go five rounds. I want the Jan and Sterling fight to go five rounds, and I want the Cruz fight to go five rounds. I want to I want to see the fights. You know what I mean? Or actually, the Cruz fight's not going to be five rounds. It's a, it's a it's a it's a headliner, but on the prelim, so it's only going to be a three round fight. But <laughs> that would be, that would be problematic for sure. But but I rounds. do want to see those fights go the distance. I want to see I I want to see over time like which fighters are. I don't want like knockouts are fun. I, I get it. I, I, I know people like to see knockouts or finishes or submissions, early round stuff. But like those fights are ones that I want to. I want to enjoy the fight. I want them to go the distance. Particularly because if Cruz wins, it's probably going to have to be a three round fight, like almost certainly. Yeah. And I, I think if Aljo wins, it's also likely going to be a five round fight. I, it's it's possible he could get a, a earlier submission. I mean, he's a really dangerous submission threat, but. Uh, I would guess it's it's going to take him five rounds to get the job done. Fun, fun card. I don't know what else I can say about it. Do you have anything else you want to add? I just think it's a fun. I've been waiting for this card since they announced it since the beginning of the year. I'm like fucking like this is the one. I told my uh, my cousin. I call him my cousin. He's not really my cousin. He's my cousin's cousin, Bobby. He's like Bobby. This is the one. He's like March what? March sixth? March seventh? That's the fucking one we want to watch, dude. That's it's it's coming up and. I'm 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 excited. It's been a while since I've that I've felt this excited about a card. Good one. To me, it's fun because I mean I could geek out uh, about the technique and the style matchups and and what the people in this card have done to advance martial arts as a whole. I could talk about it for hours, and you, you everyone's like, please please don't. <laughs> this was more than enough already. But on top of that, then there's just to me there's a lot of interesting personalities and and you know, stories and kind of storylines at play. And usually it seems from uh, my perspective, it's usually kind of like one or the other on MMA cards. And it's uncommon to have the convergence of both of them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the weird storylines play out. And is Israel going to be a double champ? Like, like that he's, he's intentionally set it up to feel a little bit like a pro wrestling storyline with him. him. He always does. He wants to get eyeballs. He wants to get intention. You don't like that. That's fine. He did his job. Then there's just, I mean, it's just also a super high level fight. Uh, I think it'll be illustrative to people, the difference between 185 and 205. And I mean, Jan and, Aljo, I mean, that's going to be, that is really one of the best, highest level fights you can make in mixed martial arts right now. So if, it, if Izzy loses, does he still f- continue to fight 205 or does he go back to 185 and just kind of de- reign supreme? No, well, he's, regardless of whether he wins or loses, he's going back to 185. Okay. 
Even if he wins the belt, you don't think he's going to want to defend 205 for a while? According, okay, according to Israel Adesanya, as of, I think, earlier today or yesterday, he said, if I win, I'm going back down to 185 to defend the belt. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I also think if Izzy loses, 125, take it to the bank. John Jones will troll him via Twitter or Instagram. Mm -hmm. 100 million percent. John Jones is going to talk shit about Izzy if Izzy loses. Yep. Uh, I mean, no. Well, or if he wins, or if <laughs> anything in between. Like he, if it's kind of if he wins, but it's a like kind of a boring fight. He's just going to talk shit. Like probably. You know, birds fly south for the winter. You know, polar bears have white fur. John Jones talks shit on Twitter, makes stupid comments, and then deletes them. Yeah, that's. You can't you can't teach an animal to go against its nature. Yeah, fuck that guy too. I I like I like John Who? Jones less than Adesanya. There, ah, uh, John Jones I is should, a great guy. I don't know. What I you're should probably about. rank my least liked MMA guys um, by you know I should probably make a list one of these days like in order of the guys I like least. I think uh, I think John Jones might be number one. I don't know. I'd have to take a close look. <laughs> see, see, you don't you don't like. Adesanya because of the way he portrays himself and like as a personality thing. I like um which is I like guys that I like guys when they show a little bit of humility. I don't mind that they show some swag too, but when they're up and comers, especially humility, I don't like when they get a little too arrogant. Like that that big I mean, he does show humility. They they were asking about like even leading up to this fight, they're like, How do you see it going? And he's like, oh, there's all kinds of different ways this fight can go. He And Adesanya is kind of an anime nerd, so I think he was talking about like a multiverse. He's like, yeah, there's all different timelines where different things happen. He's like, he's like, I could lose that fight. Like, there's a universe somewhere where that definitely happens. But I, I see it going one of two ways. And one's a secret and the other is similar to the Costa fight. Mm. But like, he, he just, in the interview, he's like, yeah, I could lose this fight. Like, And they're they asking him about Jan and he... I, I should, it's, it's funny. It's, it's confusing because there's Peter Jan and Jan Bla, Blahovich, and I I, I call them both Jan. But um, <laughs> but yeah, he was like saying he's like he's like very good. This is Adesanya talking about uh, Jan Blahovich. He's like he's very good, and they're like, well, where does he stack up compared to other guys you fought? You know, Anderson Silva and so forth and so. On. He's like he's like I don't know. All I can tell you is that he's an extremely good fighter. He's like he's a real threat and I, and you know maybe ask me that after i fought him and i can give you a better idea he does do you know the cocky kind of arrogant about himself but when he's talking about other people who he thinks are good he's he, he will blunt praise on them he'll say they're excellent fighters like i don't so i maybe i've just seen a little bit more in-depth stuff with him than you have and, and you're seeing more of like the like the shorter clips where he's just doing his promotion thing cool because he sucks my balls. Does he? <laughs> I I mean I did see where he had pink hair, so I, maybe I don't know. Are you saying my balls are my balls are pink? What? Where did you where'd you get? No, he, he's got. No, 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 he had he had he had dyed his hair pink. I didn't, uh, are you saying your ball hair is pink? No, that's what I I thought you. That's what you were inferring that my my. Did you sucked? dye it or is that just like a natural? You should get that checked out, Mondo. I think you need to go to a doctor, bud. Probably. I've got nothing else, man. That that was a good. Uh, I think that was a fun. This was a fun podcast for me. I enjoyed it. That's good. I don't know if you enjoyed it or didn't. We we could you can give me your opinion afterwards. 
I've got nothing else. Do you have anything else to say, sir? I do. Okay. Yo, Peter Yan, you better look out because I'm, I'm coming on that ass. Oh, God. Aljo, I love you. Peter Yan. I love it. It was, it was, it was so much better because it was in the, the, the Long Island accent. You can't, it's not Piotr. He's like, Peter, Peter Yan. I'm coming on that ass. Good luck, Aljo. Get him. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the, the episode. We'll talk to you soon. Watch the fights on Saturday. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.